Welcome to the IC Made On podcast. We are so glad that you've chosen to listen online. If you would like to know more about who we are, why we exist, our service times and location, or how you can get involved, then check out our website at icmadeon.com. We hope you enjoy the message today. All right. Good morning. How are you guys? How many are you of you are just excited to be at church? You've been waiting all week. Man, I, I made it. You ever feel like that? I know even in the intro video, it talks about the struggles. And sometimes after Sunday, we're all fired up. And then Monday, we're doing okay. And then by Monday afternoon, it's like, when is Sunday coming again? And so uh, Peter helps us with that. So I'm excited to, to continue in this series, Different. If you weren't with us last week, you uh, may need a, just a little... Uh, review. We're going through First and Second Peter. This is my my favorite type of message to bring. We do all sorts of different messages here, topical and character driven. But this is where we take a book of the Bible and we go through the entire book. And at the end of this, not only will you grow closer to God, but you will grow stronger in your faith and grow in your love for God's word. And at the end of this, you will know what First Peter is all about. You'll be able to, someone could say, hey, what, what, what's your favorite book of the Bible? You could say First Peter because it's about this and this and this, and you'll know it because uh, we need to know God's word so that we can make it in this life. A, a quick review of the context because I would, I would imagine, I know for me, and I believe for uh, all of you guys that were here last week, I would say that the context of the letter really adds meaning to it. If you just read 1 Peter and don't know the struggle that the Christians were going through at the time, you miss something. You read the letter, okay, Peter's saying this, but, but so what? what? What does it mean? But when you realize that Peter is writing to Christians who are suffering, Christians who are in struggles, and Christians who are going to face even more struggle, it puts some, some added value, added impact, added meaning to the letter that Peter wrote. We said last week this was written between 60 and 65 A.D., and this is written by a transformed Peter. This is not the Peter that was hiding out on Easter morning until he found out that Jesus had raised from the dead. This is Peter who has seen Jesus again after that, has been reconciled to Jesus. He, he, Jesus restored him. And then Peter went out, and he is bold, and he is brave, and he is courageous. He's a different Peter. He's different. And he, he can face things, and it doesn't even stop him. He has a plan. He has a mission. He knows he's on a purpose. And he's writing to the Christians who are struggling, who are suffering, who are facing many different trials and troubles in the world under Emperor Nemo. Or Nemo. Sorry, Nemo under Emperor Nero of Rome. Like we said last week, Nero was an evil, evil man. And Peter wrote this during his time. Inspired by God, Peter writes to encourage the Christians, and he writes about having hope. We talked about this mainly last week, having hope, living holy, and being different because we are not of this world. The key verses, we'll read these key verses every week, 2 Peter chapter 9, no, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses, I did the same thing last week. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to fix this right. 
because I copied and pasted that verse because we're using it every week. Now it's fixed. I'll never mess up again. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Okay. You have been chosen by God himself. You are priests of the king. You are holy and pure. You are God's very own. This is all really good news. All this so that you may show to others how God called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were less than nothing. Man, that hurts, doesn't it? Once we were less than nothing. Not just nothing, less than nothing. Now you are God's own. Once you knew very little of God's kindness, now your very lives have been changed by it. We've been changed because of God's kindness. Dear brothers, you are only visitors here. Since your real home is in heaven, I beg you to keep away from the evil pleasures of this world. They are not for you, for they fight against your very souls. Hey, what a warning against sin. Hey, stay away from sin. Not why, God, because you don't want my life to be fun. No, because it wars against you. It wars against what I've put inside of you. Your purpose, who you were created to be. Sin puts you in conflict with who you are and who I want you to be. He's saying stay away from it because it makes you have a battle within yourself. I love how the message interprets this last verse. And I said this last week. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Last week we talked about the journey. The spiritual journey that every single one of you in this room are on. We're all on this journey. It is sanctificasi, right? It, the journey is sanctification. We're going somewhere. We're letting go of things of the world and grabbing hold of the things of God, and our lives are being changed. This um, last week, uh, Carrie and I and, and uh, several of the staff, we were in Jakarta. There's a big international church conference. Actually, it was all of the IC churches in Asia Pacific. So there were churches there from... Uh, pastors there from Taipei, Cambodia, uh, Shanghai, Beijing, Hong Kong, Tokyo, right? Yeah, from Japan, with churches from all over, Philippines, and meeting and, and, and uh, strategizing and helping to encourage each other. And the main speaker the first night was Pastor Ed Teo from ICA Hong Kong. And he shared something that I thought was really very interesting, and it fits with our message here in First Peter. He was starting out talking about how in Genesis 1-1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created one kingdom, the heavens and the earth. It was all God's kingdom. Sin hadn't entered. It was one kingdom. I like how Pastor Teo uh, described it. He said it was like one kingdom with dualantai. Right? So there's like upstairs and downstairs. There's the heavens, there's the earth. But it was one kingdom. And then as we know, Adam rebelled. So the kingdoms were divided. There was a separation. Suddenly it put the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of the earth, against the kingdom of God. Jesus came to fix that. There was no hope for anybody. If you're suddenly the enemies of God, someone has to come and fix it. So Jesus came to reconcile the two kingdoms. He came to the kingdom of earth to say, hey, I, I want you to join my kingdom. And he gave an opportunity, again, to be a part of the kingdom of God. Sin always divides and separates us from God. 
just as those two kingdoms divided. Jesus came. Those who believe and make Jesus their king become a part of another kingdom, God's kingdom. It's like we talked about last week. We get a new address. Suddenly, this world is not our home. We're not a part of the, the earthly kingdom anymore. We've become a people of God's kingdom, reconciled. Not only that, we become ambassadors of that kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Can you turn to someone around you and say, Good morning, Mr. or Mrs. Ambassador, depending on the case. It's a room full of ambassadors. This is a very important room. This is an important room. Think about it. Sitting in this room, we are all diplomats from the kingdom of heaven. If you've accepted Jesus, this is a room full of ambassadors. We're gathering together. We're talking about our kingdom, and we discuss how we can go out and, and, and spread the news of our kingdom in a more positive way. We come in, we all have culture shock from the world. Like, man, it's really shaking me up out there. I'm glad we can come here together and we're on this. And this space here is God's kingdom. We're safe here. It's sanctuary. We come together. We talk about the kingdom. Out there, sometimes it's rough. Sometimes we get beat up. Culture shock. We come back in, get back together. Okay, I know what we're doing. We remember where we're from. We remember who we are. We're ambassadors of God's kingdom. And the message is be reconciled to God. That's what we tell the world. Reconcile means to restore relationship between, to restore peace with, to restore harmony. So Jesus came. Those of us who believe become a part of that kingdom, and he makes us ambassadors. So our role is to go out to the kingdom of the earth and talk to the people of that kingdom and try to make peace between them and the kingdom of God. Say, hey, this, there's no, let's stop this war. It wasn't meant to be like this. Join the kingdom of God. Come back to the family. That's our, that's our message. That's what all these scriptures mean. There's an opportunity given by a loving father to a hopeless people, an opportunity to once again be a part of his kingdom just as it was meant to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. We become new. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us, who made peace between us and him through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So as ambassadors, he gives us this ministry. Every single one of you that follow Jesus, here is your ministry. Okay, is that better? Okay, I didn't even notice it. Did I sound weird? Okay. So we're, as, as ambassadors, we're given this ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Man, how important is that? How many of you in this room have never sinned? Raise your hand. That was easier. I didn't want to say if you sinned, raise your hand. Every one of us have sinned. So if that was going to be the standard, people who have sinned are disqualified to joining the kingdom of God. No one could get in. 
So God had this plan. He knew it beforehand. He knew what he was going to do. We talked about the foreknowledge of God last week. So he reconciled the world through Jesus, not counting people's sins against them, instead offering forgiveness. Suddenly God had this plan. Here's how I can restore them, make peace, bring them back into my kingdom. I'm not going to count the sins against them. I'm going to send my son. All the sins are going to be accounted against him. He's going to be punished, and they're going to be free to be my people. Okay, now to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. That was all the build-up to this, right? We need that. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, which is evil behavior, and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So we see that therefore, just like when we did running with the giants and it said therefore, we knew we we have to look at what is it therefore. It's referring to something before. And when we, we finished chapter one last week, the main thought at the end was for you have been born again. Hey, get rid of acting like this. Get rid of evil behavior. Get rid of deceit, hypocrisy, envy. Don't talk bad about other people. Why? Because you have been born again. Because this world is not your home. Because you are different. Get rid of these things. Why? Because you are part of another kingdom. You're not a part of the kingdom of the world. These things that they list are a part of another kingdom. This is how the kingdom of the world acts. There's evil behavior. There's deceit and cheating and lying. There's there's hypocrisy. People will say one thing to to your face and act another way. There's envy. No one's happy for anyone else. There's jealousy. And people assassinate each other's character. But because we're a part of a different kingdom, we don't act like the people of that kingdom anymore. I want you to think about this Peter, who is at this point where he's not going to live much longer. Not not much longer after writing this letter, he's going to die for his faith. He's writing to Christians who are struggling and suffering and about to face something even worse. They're being treated horribly. And he says, get rid of all evil. I mean, imagine this. You're going through all of these things here. Let me help you. Here's how you can handle the suffering. You get rid of all evil inside of you. In your thoughts, in your actions, you stop being dishonest. And we're being treated so bad, Peter. What should we do? Quit lying and cheating. You quit. Quit living the life of a hypocrite, saying one thing and doing something else. Stop being jealous of others. Be happy if something goes good for someone else. Don't be jealous. Don't be be negative. And be careful not to be a character killer. Don't talk badly about other people. This is what Peter's saying. Could you imagine if you came to me for counseling? Something's going bad in your life. You're struggling. Maybe you need, maybe it's something in your, in your marriage, some marriage problems, family issues, financial struggles, and we sit down in, in my office, you're like, hey, here's all this bad stuff going on in my life. And I say, you know what, I've got the answer for you. Here's what you need to do. Quit cheating in your business. Would you look at me like, what? Here's what you need to do. Stop lying. What, I'm talking about the things that are happening to me. I've got struggles. People are treating me bad. What should I do? Uh, Quit being a hypocrite. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. What do I need to do? People are treating me bad. Here's how how you can handle that. You stop talking bad about them. 
man, you would think this is the worst counseling ever. I'm going somewhere else. But this is basically what Peter's doing. He's writing to people who are in trouble, and he's saying, hey, fix yourself. Quit acting like them. They're going to treat you bad. Of course, they're a part of this other kingdom. That's why you're here as an ambassador. They're hopeless. You have hope. You've got, you've got a mission. You've got to reconcile them with, with our king. We're on a mission. Why do we have to do this? Those things are not a part of God's kingdom. We have to let go of those things, get rid of them because they're, they're dangerous. They're useless. Why do we have to do that? Because we're on this journey of sanctification. And all these things that were listed will slow us down. They are obstacles. They'll rob you of blessing. They'll rob you of closeness with God. We read the verse, therefore let us run this race and get rid of everything that, that hinders and even the sin that so easily entangles us. That's what we read when we were we were doing the running with the giants verse. Get rid of these things because we can't run our race when they're in our life. We can't, we can't complete this journey. We get stuck. And Peter's saying, here's what you need to do. So 1 Peter chapter 2 is a call to spiritual growth. Verse 2, it says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, or like a cornerstone, because the entire kingdom is built on Jesus. So Jesus is the living stone or the, the cornerstone, the one who restores our relationship with God. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. And you also, like living stones, are being built. Can you look at someone near you and say, I'm being built? You're being built. God's doing something. Being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And this is where it goes back to what our key verses is. Verses 9 through 11. We read these already that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I like how that's worded. God's special possession. That's who you are. If we skip down a little bit. It says, you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. That talks about the kingdom. Once we were not a people. We're just of this earth. But God gathered us, and now we are a people. We are the people of God. Now we are a part of another kingdom. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. A better version of verse 12 is be careful how you behave among your unsaved neighbors, your unbelieving neighbors. That's a better way. Pagan sounds pretty harsh, right? And we don't really use that very often. You know, hey, what'd you do last night? I hung out with some of my pagan friends. Who says that? But this version, be careful how you behave among your unsaved neighbors. For then, even if they are suspicious of you and talk against you, they will end up praising God for your good works when Christ returns. So Peter's reminding us we're a part of a different kingdom. 
He's telling us how we need to act. We need to be careful when we're out in the world. Here we can be kind of open, and, and this is a safe place. If you're struggling, if you've got something going on, we can talk about that here, and it's okay. But out there, be careful. We're representing the kingdom of God. We're ambassadors. We have a mission. We have a, a purpose. We need to live that way so that they will see how we live and recognize that our kingdom is good, and when they see that, they will glorify our God. And it goes on talking about submitting to authority and, and to governors, and, and as verse 15, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Anyone have foolish people in your life? Somebody raising their hand like, I only have foolish people in my life. I'm surrounded by morons. No. How do you silence those people? You know, that maybe they're talking bad about you. Maybe they're, they're always negative. Maybe every time you share your dreams, they, they try to crush it. They're, they're, they're always envious and, and jealous and, and try, to, try to pick apart everything you do. They know you're a Christian, and because of that, if you ever make one wrong step, they're like, aha, you're not perfect. And you're thinking, I never said I was. Here's how you silence those people, by doing good. That would be another counseling session you would not like. Man, I've got all these people saying bad things. Pastor, what do I do? You do good. Okay, I'm going to go ask someone else. Is there another pastor here? What does Pastor Adam say? That's what it says. How do you, how do you silence the ignorant talk of, of foolish people around you? You do good. You do good. Verse 16, live as free people. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. That's normally what the foolish people are talking about anyway. Man, the Christians, they're free. They do whatever they want. And some church people do that, but Christians don't do that. Because we recognize what freedom is. Galatians 5.13 talks about the same thing. Dear brothers, you have been given freedom, not freedom to do wrong, but freedom to love and serve each other. We're not free to sin. We're free from sin. So when we do good, people can't talk about that anymore. Oh, you're free. You can do whatever you want. That's what Christianity is about. No, if you see someone's life and like, but they only do good. They're not sinning. They don't get angry. They don't have evil behavior. They're not lying and, and cheating. They're not hypocrites. Wow. What is this kingdom that they represent? And then this verse 17, this will really throw you off. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. That verse is like, when, if you just read that without context, you're thinking, okay, big deal. I can do this. Show respect, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. But since we talked about who the emperor was, Peter's telling them, hey, honor Nero. The guy causing your problems. The guy is causing the suffering. The guy that is, is, is going to light you on fire alive, lighting up the streets as human torches. The guy that's going to feed you to the dogs. Hey, what do we need to do to him? How do we get him back? How do we stop him? You just honor him. Honor his position, Emperor Nero. Honor who? Peter. How many of the 
Christians, you think God that later and like, I'm, what's Peter talking about? Maybe Peter's gotten too old. He's telling them, this is how our kingdom works. This is how we act. Man, but you don't know how bad I'm being treated. Hey, you, don't, you do good. Show respect. Honor them. Honor the emperor. Peter knew exactly who he was talking about. He knew who was in position at that time. It was Nero. Peter was going to be killed by Nero. Paul was killed by Nero. And Peter says, honor Nero. Does that make sense to anyone? It's a different kingdom. It, it doesn't make sense to us because often our minds, the first thought goes to the way of our old kingdom. But we're not supposed to think like that anymore. He talks about how slaves should, in reverent fear, submit to your masters, even if they're harsh. He talks about how masters should act. He talks about how commendable or honorable it is if when you are suffering, you still do good. If you suffer for doing good, verse 20 says, and you endure it, then it is honorable before God. And if you are suffering and you keep doing good, if you are suffering and you honor Nero, that is honorable for you. Man, how, how much does that blow the minds of people of this kingdom of the earth when they see, man, that person's being treated horribly and they're still showing respect and honor to even the people that are hurting them? To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. So Peter encouraged the suffering Christians by reminding them who they are. So what I want to do this morning is through God's inspiration, through Peter, use this same chapter to remind you who you are. Because whatever you are facing in life right now, whatever your struggle is, whatever your suffering is, whoever your Nero is, you can face that if you know who you are. And this is basically what Peter said. And let me, let me preface it with this. These Christians could have easily started identifying with their problems. They could have easily started seeing themselves in their problem. This is who I am. This is, look at what, you know, sometimes your problem can get so big, it's all you can talk about. When people ask you how things are going, you talk about the problem. It becomes who you are. This is who I am. This financial struggle, this is who I am. This business problem, this is me. This relationship problem, that's, that's who I am. This sin that I keep asking for prayer and I, I fight against it and I fall and I fight and fall, this is who I am. They could have easily identified with their problems, with their struggles, with their suffering. So Peter reminds them who they are. Number one, you are preferred. Every single one of you in here, you are preferred by God. Preferred means accepted, chosen, favored. Every sing you're his ambassadors. If you are here and you have accepted Jesus, you are preferred by God. You are part of his kingdom. I read this this week um, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, he said it like this, you are the ones chosen by God. And we said this earlier, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted, preferred. Most of us spend our entire lives trying to earn acceptance. We work hard as humans 
That's what we want from, from our friends, from our, from our colleagues, from our parents. And some of us, we spend our whole lives trying to earn respect, earn that acceptance from our parents, to be appreciated, to be accepted, to be chosen, to be favored. Maybe some of you uh, can remember in school, I think we have a picture of a, a note. Did any of you ever write a note like that in school? That's how we would do it when I was in school. Do you like me? Yes? No? Maybe. The maybe was just a little safety there. What does maybe mean? It's like, I don't, if they thought you were too sensitive to take a no, just a maybe. Maybe means no, right? We get that. Because if they like you, they'd click yes. But even this, we send the note. We don't want to say it face to face, even in school. Why? Because we're so afraid of rejection. We want acceptance. We, we need that. We need to know that we're accepted. It's scary. I'll send the note. I don't want to, I don't want to know. You send the note and just kind of cover your, your eyes. You send it through a friend. Hey, pass this over. What'd she click? What did, what did she check? What did she check? You want that yes, accepted. Remember getting picked in sports at school. I don't know how recess was here, but it could be brutal in the U.S. When your whole class is standing on the field, you're about to play a sport. Two of the best get picked as team captains. And then slowly they pick the people one by one. And if you were in a circle like that ever, and then it gets down to the final three. And it was, if you were standing there, if any of you were great in sports, great feeling. Accepted, preferred, chosen, favored. If you're one of the ones standing there and you're the final three, the last two, and you're standing there and you're looking at the two captains and they're like, you know, I don't really care. Take which, what do you want? You imagine that feeling? Remember what that felt like standing there. Man, I just wish I could be accepted. I wish I could be chosen. I wish I could be picked. It's brutal. I remember even with Carrie, I had like a middleman. When we started dating, she was in, uh, I guess it was junior high school then, middle school, SMP. I was in SMI. I had a friend in SMP, thank God. So all the communication was through him. Hey, see if she likes me. Hey, you know, back and forth, you know. I had the middleman, so I didn't. It was safe for me because she wasn't even in the same school. All day I could just do whatever, you know. If, if I spilt my milk at lunch, no big deal because the girl I liked at another school. But I had to go through this guy. It does, am I accepted? Does she like me? Yes, no, maybe. Maybe if I change some things, I'll do anything. I'll cut my hair. I'll, I'll dress different. I don't you know, being accepted. We're afraid of rejection. I read this story. It says this. I'm going to have to read it because it's a long story. Some parents received a telephone call from their son during a war. They were thrilled because they hadn't heard from him for many months. He said he was in San Francisco on his way home. Mom, I just wanted to let you know that I'm bringing a friend home with me, he said. My friend got hurt pretty bad. He only has one eye, one arm, and one leg. I'd sure like him to live with us. Sure, son, his mother replied. He sounds like a brave man. We can find room for him for a while. Mom, you don't understand. I want him to come live with us. Well, okay, she finally said. We could try it for six months or so. No, mom, I want him to stay always. 
He needs us. He's only got one eye, one arm, and one leg. He's really in bad shape. By now, his mother had lost her patience. Son, you're being unrealistic about this. You are emotional because you've been in war. That boy will be a drag on you and a constant problem for all of us. Be reasonable. The phone clicked dead. The next day, the parents got a message. Their son had committed suicide. A week later, the parents received the body. They looked down with unspeakable sorrow on the corpse of their son, who had one eye, one arm, and one leg. He was trying to test out over the phone, are my parents going to accept me back? I've been hurt pretty bad. And from their response, he realized, you know what, I'm going to be too much trouble. Maybe they don't want me back. We all want to be accepted. And when you realize that, that you are accepted by God, every single one of you in this room, you are preferred. Once you accept Jesus, we're not accepted uh, because of anything other than Jesus. We're, we're not accepted because of anything other than the fact that God loves you. Disabilities, character flaws, our problems, our struggles. Hey, how many of you know some of us are a lot of trouble to God? Amen? Am I the only one raising my hand? Not us. You know what I mean? God, some of us, God has really had to work on. If we're like, God, are you really going to accept me? I've got a lot of problems. Uh, there's a lot. You may have to really work on me. You're preferred by God. You're chosen. You're accepted. And when you realize that God has accepted you, you can fulfill your mission in the earth. You can face any challenges and you'll be okay. Like, man, they may reject me, but, but God doesn't. It says, we read it in 1 Peter chapter 2, Jesus was rejected, but he was precious to God. Number two, you are preferred. You are precious. Look to someone near you and say, you are precious. You're valuable. You're special. You are you are precious to God. The verse says that you are God's very own possession, his special possession. You were bought with a price. You were valuable enough for him to send his own son, Jesus, to die for you. You're special to God. And when you realize how precious you are to God, you know that you can walk through any struggles, any suffering. And this is really hard, but you know what? I'm going to be okay because I am precious to God. This struggle feels like it's too much, but I'm precious to God. I'm going to make it. When you realize who you are, that's why Peter's reminding them, hey, this is tough, guys, but you are preferred and you are precious. You're going to be okay. This is just for a little while. When you know you are precious to God, you know he is going to take care of you. The third thing, and can I ask the worship team to come up? You are priestly. It says in verse 5, you are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Then verse 9 calls it a royal priesthood. God is doing a work in you. Every single one of you, God is doing a work. You are being built. You know those times where you feel like, man, there's so much still to do. It's okay. It doesn't say you are built. It says you're, you're being built. It's a process. It's a journey. 
you aren't finished yet, that's okay because he isn't finished either. He's still developing you. You're reconciled to him. Your relationship is repaired. You are in God's family. He's called you to be a priest, his ambassador. The Latin word for priest means bridge. So when it says that, it means you are a bridge between God himself to the people of this earth. You're the bridge. We're the bridge. That's why we are to go out and represent the kingdom to the world. You should be serving him by spreading the news of this loving father in his heavenly kingdom. Saying, hey, God has made a way to reconcile the kingdoms. You don't have to die being a part of this world hopeless. God will take you back. God is welcoming you back into his kingdom. You know what? He's not going to count your sins against you. Man, that's the good news. Your sins, it's, hey, I'm messed up. I can't go to God. No, he's not going to count any of that against you anymore. He's taking you back just as you are, accepting you back. You're preferred by him. You're accepted. You're chosen. Then we go out and serve. This is an encouragement for us doing our job as Christians and being the priest. Bill Hybels said, I would never want to reach out someday with a soft, uncalloused hand, a hand never dirtied by serving, and shake the nail-pierced hand of Jesus. Could you imagine? Ooh, that's tough. Saying, I would never want to reach out with a hand that has never gotten dirty serving God and shake the hand of Jesus that's pierced with a nail where he sacrificed himself for me. That's the encouragement. Christians, we've got to go out and be the priests and the ambassadors to this world. We've got to get our hands dirty. We've got to go to places where people don't want to go. So one day when we're shaking the hand of Jesus, we can feel proud of what we've done for him. And he'll look us in the eyes and say, hey, well done. That's exactly what I would have done. That's exactly where I would have gone. Remember, your problem doesn't define you. How you walk through it defines you. The problem isn't who you are. It's how you walk through it. That's who you are. Preferred, precious, priestly. So what do we need to do? Verse 21 says, follow in his footsteps. We do what Jesus did. What do we do? Follow in his footsteps. It makes it much easier to walk in this world when we can place our feet where Jesus did. How did he respond to this? Oh, he loved them, okay? He forgave them. We're just, we're just putting our feet where he stepped, following his footsteps. We don't have to make our own path. When we're over here and we see, wait a minute, there's Jesus' footprints. We realize, man, I've, I've gotten off track. All we do is go back. No big deal. God, forgive me. Help me get back on track. It says, he was insulted but did not insult back. He was made to suffer but made no threats of revenge. And he trusted God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 6, Peter was quoting Isaiah. He said, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. That was Jesus. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. We follow in his footsteps. We put our trust in God. And if we put our trust in God, no matter what we face, no matter what suffering, no matter what struggles, no matter what people will say about us, we will never be put to shame. We're precious to God. So here's what we do. 
and I'm just going through this quickly and then we'll pray. We should treat all people as if they too can be preferred by God. We should treat all people as if they too are precious to God. And we should treat all people as if they too can become priestly. Even Nero. Amen.